This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. And we wanted to talk about something that has maybe fallen off the radar a little bit here in Michigan. We're talking about some lawsuits that were inherited from the Snyder administration. Remember, all the way back before 2018. Um, You know, these were big ones and they are still lingering and they're important. And we wanted to talk with someone who uh, has been following them to keep track. Zach Gorchow, the executive editor and publisher of Gongwerg, has essentially been keeping these stories alive. Uh, trying to constantly remind people that there have been lawsuits that the Whitmer administration has settled or taken care of. And there's still, as you mentioned, some really big ones out there. Zach, welcome to Mishmash. Great to be here. So, Zach, talk a little bit about what the status of these lawsuits are and sort of what the approach has been. Well, since taking office, Governor Whitmer and Attorney General Nessel have really clearly focused on settling most of these cases from the Snyder administration. The the biggies would be the Flint water civil cases. Those are moving toward finalization of a settlement, $600 million plus cost for the state. You've got the youth mental health case. There's been a big settlement there. There was a lawsuit brought by students in Detroit public schools, the right to read case. That was settled. There was the question of adoption services for LGBT families, that was settled, you know, but the one that's still out there, the the biggie that's still out there is involving the unemployment false fraud scandal, which we can get into more details in a little bit. In your blog for Gongwer, you said that really, it hasn't even really started on some level. Talk to us about what is going on with that lawsuit and why this is an important one that people probably have forgotten about, but really need to pay attention to. So from 2013 to 2015, the state used a computer system to determine whether people committed fraud to obtain unemployment benefits. So there was really no human involvement. And uh, what happened was tens of thousands of people, 37,000 approximately, were falsely found to have committed fraud by this computer system. That is extremely significant because under the penalty system the state had in place at the time, these folks not only had to pay back all the benefits they received, they had to pay interest and penalties. And the penalties at the time were four times the principal received. So in many cases, people were having to pay back tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Income tax refunds were intercepted. Wages were garnished. People were driven into bankruptcy, lost homes, lives were ruined, and subsequent audits and investigations found the vast majority of the time, the system was getting it wrong. These people hadn't done anything wrong. The the way the system was designed was falsely finding them to have committed fraud. Uh, And so, as you might expect, lawsuits were filed. And ever since then, the, the state, first under the Snyder administration with Bill Schutte as attorney general, and then Uh, Now with Governor Whitmer and Attorney General Nessel has been fighting these cases tooth and nail. It is on its second go-round at the Michigan Supreme Court, which still has to decide whether it's even going to uh, hear a court of appeals ruling that was in favor of the plaintiffs. So what can we sort of expect going forward with this lawsuit? And what will it mean, especially for taxpayers, but also people affected by, as you said, this system that really victimized a lot of people who did nothing wrong? Well, I think the betting money right now has to be that the Supreme Court is going to rule 
for the plaintiffs and allow this case to start. It already ruled for the plaintiffs once before on the first go round and said the case could start. Then the state challenged another aspect basically on whether someone can seek damages if their state constitutional rights were violated. That's the question at hand before the Supreme Court now. The Court of Appeals ruled you can sue for damages in such a case. It's a a slightly more plaintiff friendly court now uh, with Justice Elizabeth Welch having replaced uh, Justice Markman uh, in the intervening uh, months. If the court does rule for the plaintiffs, who knows when, you know, when that's going to happen. It's been pending before the court for 16 months. Uh, then it goes all the way back to the trial court level, what's called the Michigan Court of Claims. And then the plaintiffs can finally start subpoenaing the state for records. They can start deposing witnesses under oath. Maybe at that point, the state will start thinking about whether it's time to settle the case. But for now, the Whitmer administration, uh, as well as uh, Attorney General Nessel, are fighting this out and trying to prevent the state from having to pay anything out. There is a huge amount of money at stake. I I think most people would say uh, this has got to be a nine-figure settlement north of $100 million. My guess is the state would say it's not going to, you know, there's no way they're going to dole out more than what happened with the Flint cases, which was $600 million plus. Um, But it's hard to see how this ends with the number of people involved, 37,000 short of in the low hundreds of millions. Now, I remember the last time this unemployment case was at the Supreme Court. I mean, this was so I was still working at NPRN. This was years ago. And I remember the people there being really excited, like, okay, now we can go forward. And I think at the time, they also felt like maybe there would be a settlement because they had won at the Supreme Court. Why is this case being dragged out so long? And I, maybe just as importantly, why why is it that this one, the Whitmer administration, is not settling? I mean, they sort of rapid fire when they came in, got through quite a few major lawsuits. What is the holdup and why are they fighting this one? Well, if I had to guess, there seems to be a you know concern that if the state cedes that it can be sued for damages for a violation of state constitutional rights, how much does that open the door to other litigation that seeks damages? That seems to be what they are pressing on. And, and one I guess could understand, you know, is this uh, opening the door to a flood tide of this type of litigation? You know, people sue for violations of state constitutional rights all the time, but usually they're seeking injunctive relief, meaning an order from the court that the state has to stop doing this. Uh, we really haven't seen you know, someone sue for damages. Flint would be the other example, the Flint water cases. Sue for damages for a violation of state constitutional rights. I think there's probably a sense, this is again, no one has said this, but that you know, a concern about how much does this tie up the budget? You know, they've already you know, gone to a bonding mechanism to pay for the Flint water cases. One of the reasons I wrote about this now was with the huge windfall coming from the federal government through the coronavirus relief money, you know, five point, what is it, five point six billion, I think the state is getting. It seemed like, hey, maybe that's the opening to try to dispose of this case and get it dealt with, but that has not happened. And it just looks like this is the one where the state feels like if we agree to this, 
it, it really could open the door. It's a, nonetheless, when you look at the settlement in the juvenile prisoner abuse case, which was a nine-figure settlement, you look at the settlement in the Flint case, it's hard to see how this is that different. And really, you know, I don't know anybody who thinks these folks weren't severely wronged. And in fact, the plaintiff's attorney, uh, one of the plaintiff's attorneys had said just after the 2018 election that they had had conversations with then candidates Whitmer and Nessel who signaled their interest in a reasonable settlement. But they say, the plaintiff's attorneys say there has been no discussion of a settlement. So it's not like they're quibbling over numbers. This just simply hasn't been brought up. So it's a bit of a mystery why this is the one they've decided to fight tooth and nail, given what they've ceded thus far. We're just waiting and seeing. Have either the governor or the attorney general addressed this head on in terms of what their thought process is behind this? You know, it's initially right after Governor Whitmer took office, she would, you know, I would ask her about this from time to time. And she said, yes, we have a lot of cases from the Snyder administration that are going to need to be dealt with. This is one of them. But she was also very careful not to commit herself to anything. The really, what changed everything was in January 2020 when the Whitmer administration and the Attorney General's office decided to appeal the Court of Appeals ruling that this case could go forward, that you can sue for damages under for a constitutional rights violation. The Court of Appeals had been looking at that since before they took office. And so I think they were like, hey, let's just see what the Court of Appeals says, which was a reasonable approach. Instead, the Court of Appeals does rule. There's a case for damages here. You can make the case. And then the big question was, will, will the Whitmer administration appeal this? And they did. And that was what I think really discouraged the plaintiffs. They didn't, I don't think they foresaw that coming. And it was always very mysterious who made the call for an appeal. Uh, the Whitmer administration has not talked about it, citing the old, you know, it's pending litigation, which is, you know, often a convenient way for elected officials to avoid talking about litigation. The attorney general's office is the one that said, hey, we, we needed to make the case about suing for damages for a constitutional violation. This is a, for a case of first impression that hasn't been found before. We need to fight that out. Um, but it's really never been clear. Was it the Unemployment Insurance Administration that wanted to continue fighting? Was it a call that the governor's office made? Uh, how, what role did the attorney general play in deciding to continue to fight this? The, since the appeal was made, they have been on pretty much on lockdown as to their intentions with this case. So this is a situation that has been going on for so long that, I mean, reporters have come and gone. It's very easy for it to get lost. You mentioned in your blog post that it actually sort of kicked out right around the time of the Flint water crisis. So even, even it even started sort of under the radar. How do you as a reporter keep this story alive and as a result sort of keep people accountable? I mean, that was why I wrote the piece. You know, it, some, someone who's familiar with the issue had, in fact, had asked me recently, what is happening with this case? How have the governor and the attorney general not settled this? Isn't this the kind of thing like they would want to settle? Don't they want to see uh, the state, you know, make these people whole? I mean, all these folks got their, you know, what they had to pay the state back. But if you were among the more than 1,000 people who filed for bankruptcy, or you lost your house, or the stress and anxiety of having to come up with 
a hundred grand, I think most people would say, you know, that's not being made whole, just getting back the money that you received. So, you know, with this person having sort of said, what is happening here? I said, you know what, it's been, this case is now five and a half years old. Um, you know, it's time to, you know, put it out there again. Uh, there, I should mention there is also a federal case brought by different plaintiffs that's in the U.S. District Court. That one's a little farther along. That one's actually, you know, despite the, the, which the state has fought out aggressively as well, um, you know, different defendants. It doesn't name the unemployment insurance agency. It names some employees of the agency and it names some of the computer firms that were involved here. But that one's a little farther along. There have been depositions. There have been subpoenas. Um, so, you know, that, that's another signal that the state is committed to fighting this out because if it was just a simple matter of wanting to avoid the subpoena and deposition phase, they probably would have settled by now because the federal case reached that point. Um, so there's a risk here. You know, it may be years away, but if the state insists on taking this to trial and letting a judge or jury decide this, they could end up much worse off potentially than if they look to settle this case. What it, it's not unreasonable to think again, 37,000 people. I mean, even if you just do the math and come up with, you know, 10,000 each, you're, you're talking about you know, 10, 20,000 each. You're talking about you know, approaching a billion dollars, uh, something in that realm. So the, the state's running a risk here. You know, maybe they're waiting for something final from the Supreme Court. Obviously, all of the actions in question happened under the Snyder administration. So it, it can't be just a matter of trying to avoid the embarrassment of it. The, Whitmer administration had nothing to do with this. People might be getting tired of this comparison at this point, but a billion dollars, I mean, that's fixing a lot of damn roads <laughs> right there. Um, but I, I wanted to, to go back a little bit and talk maybe a little bit about um, the 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 slate of civil lawsuits that the Whitmer administration inherited from the Snyder administration and wondering if you could give us a little uh, historic background on this kind of transition between administrations, especially uh, from uh, an administration of one party going to the administration of another party. Uh, and is it is it typical that we see um, these kinds of, you know, big lawsuits sort of hanging out there? Or is this is, is this something that is sort of new uh, to you as someone who has been uh, covering the Capitol for a long time. I mean, obviously things go wrong in state government and civil lawsuits happen, but these are three and probably more than three really big ones. So it does happen. Uh, the one that immediately leaps to mind is there was a lawsuit filed against the Michigan Department of Corrections during the Engler administration about sexual abuse of women prisoners. And the Engler administration fought that tooth and nail. Um, but when uh, Jennifer Granholm became governor, the state did settle that for a lot of money. I don't exactly remember how much, but it was many tens of millions of, do of dollars. Um, so that would be an example. You're always going to have cases that carry over from one administration to the next. Um, you know, the Granholm administration, uh, you know, they did settle a very significant case involving the child uh, protective uh, services system. Mm -hmm. That wasn't so much a monetary award. Um, but the requirements for the state have lingered and continue to linger to this day. So the Snyder administration did have to inherit that settlement and trying to implement it. Um, but this, this is, I have not seen anything like this in the time I've been covering state government, where we have this many 
huge cases pending uh, in court with a potential large dollar figure attached to them, um, carrying over from one administration to the next. I mean, I think, I, you know, the Flint and unemployment cases, I mean, these are two of the biggest errors, screw-ups, whatever you want to call it, in state government in, you know, in 50 years. When you look at some of the other cases, like juvenile prisoner case, or the one I mentioned earlier during the Angler administration, uh, with women prisoners, those were, you know, cases involving far fewer plaintiffs. You don't have the scope that you have in Flint. I mean, we're talking many tens of thousands of people in Flint, and many tens of thousands of people in the unemployment cases. I mean, this is a scope we just typically do not see. And the, the uh, juvenile mental health case, which didn't have a huge dollar figure settlement attached to it, but this, you know, the Whitmer administration is having to propose change, you know, more expenditures in the budget to do what the settlement requires. Um, that also involved tens of thousands of people. I, I, so, you know, this is relative, you know, fairly unusual. I think one of the things that'll be interesting to see is um, you know, there are a lot of lawsuits that have been filed against the Whitmer administration since the pandemic started for myriad reasons. It wouldn't surprise me to see some of those carry on for many, many years and maybe into whoever, whatever administration succeeds this governor. Zach, was there anything that we haven't asked you that that you think we should or that you want to talk about? So I, I think, Shana, the biggest thing is we just we can't forget about this case. You know, we're still continuing to track it, obviously, uh, especially the federal case. There was yet another ruling. The state had attempted to try to get the case dismissed again. Some of the computer firms had tried to get the case dismissed. Federal court again ruled, can't do that. I mean, some of these are really, you know, honestly, boring stories. They're quarter <laughs> turns. They're like really process-oriented court stories. But, you know, if we don't, keep continuing to report on it and keep it out there, um, you know, a lot of these people, you know, really suffered. And, you know, that can't be forgotten. You know, elected officials, they have to be held to account. Uh, like I said, you know, the Whitmer administration was not responsible for this unemployment scandal. It was, you know, it happened under the Snyder administration and under agency leaders the unemployment insurance agency that are long, long gone, were replaced by the Snyder administration. Um, but at some point, the bill for this is going to come due. I would be absolutely shocked if this case ended up with no cost to the state. And uh, whether that happens now or under a future governor, you know, we, we're going to stay on the story because you know what happened was was really wrong. And, you know, we have to see it through. Zach Gorchow is executive editor and publisher of the Gongwer News Service in Lansing, a long-suffering Detroit sports fan and a REM superfan. Zach, thank you so much for joining us on Mishmash. Great, great to be with you, Shana. And that's all for Mishmash. I'm Shana Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>